You're listening to Minor Talk On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with Minor Talk by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. All right, welcome back. Minor Talk is live. We are presented by the Oscar Arieta Agency. The Oscar Arieta Agency will be at the UTEP versus UTSA game. That's next Saturday. February 11th. They'll be having a Valentine's Day giveaway next Saturday out at their booth. Stop by the Oscar ID at the agency booth to register to win a $200 gift certificate for a dinner uh, at West Texas Chop House. That's a $200 gift card. All you have to do is register at the Oscar ID at the agency booth, which will be at the UTEP UTSA game next Saturday. Um, Another night, another, or I should say another day, another loss for UTEP. Uh, And it's more of the same for the Miners. 74 to 69 that's the final for Western Kentucky four losses in a row for Joe Golding is the most in the Joe Golding era right now. This is the most losses in a row that you can look at for a UTEP team dating back to the 2020 season when they lost five games in a row uh, from the span of February 1st through February 15th. And I'm going to tell you this, Sal, we understand this. We've been through minor talk year after year. This is year four of us doing it for basketball. We understand that the month of February is an absolute grind. And what I I saw today was a UTEP team that had a 10-point lead in the first half that dominated at one point, that had six three-pointers in in the first half, but undisciplinary actions, three technical fouls. They took off one for Mario McKinney, but two technical fouls in the first half, letting their emotions get the best of them in the first half. That should have been a a 10-point first-half lead going into the break. Instead, Western Kentucky cuts that uh, first-half lead. UTEP still goes in with a four-point lead, 37-33. But the Miners completely are outmatched in the second half, 41-32. They are outscored in the second half by Western Kentucky. And now the Miners have lost four in a row. And this three-game road swing, we thought it was going to be tough. It ended up being brutal for the Miners uh, this stretch. Yeah, uh, add that on top of the fact that, uh, we, you know, we always talk about tears. Um, in a way, obviously they won these games, so we, we know what the results were. But, you know, going into the stretch, uh, UTEP trying to find themselves, in, you know, in a tier below the very top, so to speak, trying to climb back in there. And the same was said for Western and, um, you know, North Texas, who, who's already riding that ship already. They're, they're a That's beast. Right. But, um, you know, that, that whole stretch right there is a lot of teams – kind of or near the same place as UTEP or within reach, and um, they just completely dropped the ball, unfortunately. It was a brutal, brutal start. Yeah, I like the fact that you mentioned the tiers, Sal, because now there are three tiers in Conference USA. The first tier of Conference USA, it's led by Florida Atlantic. That's it. That's the first tier. Yeah. And then the second tier is going to be North Texas, UAB, Middle Tennessee, Rice, Louisiana Tech, those teams who are still in the mix. Then the tier after that is the tier who's probably a year away. Florida Atlantic or Florida International, Western Kentucky, Charlotte, UTEP and UTSA. I would still think uh, UTEP, UTSA, Florida International are kind of a tier below Western Kentucky and Charlotte, but hey, Hey, we'll have to see how the rest of the season unfolds. Right now, for the Miners, they are not playing good basketball, Sal. Yeah, they're they're really not. And and we talked about the tiers, but looking at it right now, um, you know, in the bottom three of Conference USA, so that 
that goes to show you how um, how crucial these games are, especially early on in conference play, because where they were, you know, kind of like middle of the road, now they're they're at the very bottom, you know, with uh, Charlotte and UTSA. So who they struggled with at times in their games against, too. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sal. Our telephone number is 915-505-6009 to get into Minor Talk. Don't expect much on this show. I expect a lot of frustrated Minor fans. Uh, I think the interest is at an all-time low for the UTEP basketball team uh, from what I've seen over the past couple years. Last year, everybody was all in on this team. And they were proving that, you know, they could hang in with the best teams in Conference USA and actually beat them. This year, they can hang in with everybody, everybody across their schedule. The problem is they can't beat them. And uh, for the Miners, they have to get over that hump. They have to find a way to try to get these wins. And I don't think it's this year. We, we said it, well, I said it before. I'll say it again. The month of Jan- uh, February is an absolute grind. And I, I feel like for the Miners, this month of February is really taking a toll on them early on and if they're not able to kind of get over this hump right here look they've got a home game against Charlotte they've got that road game against UTSA those are opportunities for the Miners to try to bounce back and secure some victories but I'm worried about UTEP throughout this stretch after Charlotte and UTSA which I would say are both beatable right there Sal They've got UAB, North Texas, FIU, and Florida Atlantic. The Miners are going into this next stretch having lost nine of their last 12 games. They are 4-8 and eight in Conference USA. They've lost four in a row, most losses in a row by, uh, by a UTEP team under head coach Joe Golding. Uh, I'm worried about UTEP. They've got to get these next two victories under their belt, both Charlotte and UTSA. Yeah, and, and you know what, too? Kind of looking at these um, th- this four-game stretch, right, uh, from Charlotte all the way to, um, to North Texas, uh, looking at those teams, Charlotte, winnable game, and it's at home. UTSA, winnable game, and it's on the road. And then the next two, those being the monsters of a uh, note that are North Texas and UAB, some of the tougher teams, but you have them at home. And if you're 10 and three on the season so far at home, you know, this is, um, I don't want to say it's made in the shape because obviously it's not, but it's a, it's a step that can, it's an advantage, so to speak, in these next four. Yeah, I think so too, Sal. I, I just worry about the Miners because if they don't get these victories in these next two mm. games, uh, I don't like their chances going into that next stretch, which is going to only get tougher. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009. Let's go to the phone lines right now. We'll welcome on Kurt, who's joining us uh, first. Uh, Kurt, going, uh, what's going on, man? Thanks for giving us a call. How you guys doing? We're doing fine. What about you? Uh, real good, real good. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this minor basketball team. Uh, I'm a machine ticket holder. I've been going for several years uh, now, and uh, I think I've seen the worst offensive team I've ever seen in my years of watching Utah basketball. Very frustrating. And, uh, uh, of course, 11 transfers and uh, Coach Golding, I mean, you know, he brought these guys in, but there's no offensive firepower at all down the box on the perimeter. It's the same thing I've been seeing for the last several games, and I don't see any improvement going forward. And it's uh, very, very frustrating. And uh, this is not UTEP basketball from what I grew up watching. And I sure hope this coach and this assistants can bring some guys in that can shoot the ball and, and of course, play hard defense. But as far as going forward the rest of the season, I don't see them doing, doing anything really with a, 
the rest of the conference and the games remaining. Uh, what are your opinion on that? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point. I appreciate the phone call. Thanks, Ryan. And I'll bring Sal in on this one, too. Uh, Miners open up the first half shooting well in this game. So I was thinking to myself, man, this is a, an absolute possibility that the Miners can go on the road and knock off Western Kentucky, which, by the way, we need to set the right expectation. Western Kentucky is probably on the same playing field as UTEP or probably a little step above. They're not that great. They're not a great team in Conference USA. This isn't a team that's going to be killing everybody across the league. But UTEP shoots 40% from the floor tonight. They hit nine three-pointers, which, hey, they're averaging just four every game. So in this one, offensively, it wasn't necessarily an issue until the second half, until they actually needed some buckets. They were 3 of 14 from three-point range in the second half, 33% from the floor in the second half. They're still not making free throws. They're 60% in this game. It's frustrating for the Miners because it's the same things over and over. Even though they shot well in the first half from three-point range, that was about it, Sal. Yeah, and um, another thing that really plagued them in this game, too, two of the uh, things we talked about the most this year, Free throw shooting and turnovers. Yep. You know, looking at the um, at the numbers here, eleven turnovers. Uh, so more turnovers than they had assists. We could add another one in the box, unfortunately. But That's twelve right. of twenty from the from the free throw line, Adrian. When uh, you know, in a game, I mean, numbers are numbers, but you lose by five and you miss eight free throws. Yeah, that's tough. And and look. 11 turnovers, you point out, Sal, but Western Kentucky capitalizes off of 16 points mm. off those turnovers. Uh, big shout-out to Jamarian Sharp in this game. Six blocks against the Miners. UTEP could not do anything in the paint, so you got to give Western Kentucky a little bit of credit for what they were able to do. And I also thought this game was going to be won by whoever won the boards. And Western Kentucky was a plus-four advantage on the boards, 39-35. I thought that was a real big difference maker for uh, Western Kentucky. UTEP was not able to get offensive rebounds like they were uh, intending in this game. And defensively, they actually suffered by allowing Western Kentucky to get some of those second-chance buckets. So um, yeah. that, that's right there and, is, is worrisome for the Miners. And, and you know what? I, I kind of like the game plan for uh, Western Kentucky going into this one, using things um, you know that, that UTEP has Two, three zones to open up the game. So the zone, there we go. That's number one. But then also... You basically say, hey, UTEP, let's see if you can make jump shots and beat us with your jump shots. And it was working in the first half, but ultimately they were not falling, so they tried attacking a bit more. And guess what happens? You have sharp down low. And a cool stat that uh, John brought up, by the way, um, something about 81% that he has more blocks than 81% of the teams in, in college wow. basketball. So, And he had six today, so that's probably you know going to jump up a bit more. However, game plan worked is um, make UTEP shoot, then they're going to start attacking. But you're going to have the number one shot blocker in the nation down there. So, um, yeah, real, real good game plan right there. Our, our telephone number, 915-505-6009. His block rate is number one in the country, Sal, per Ken Palm. Yeah, uh, 16.8 possessions. He's blocking a shot. That, that's pretty amazing. On uh, 16% of every possession, he's blocking a shot, which is uh, pretty awesome by uh, Sharp down low, the big man. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep it going on Twitter. Brandon Cox tweets the show, what a garbage tr- team. Straight garbage. He was really frustrated in this one. Uh, Shannon Sharpie tweets the show, they are scrappy, hardworking. We are just missing one player. Hashtag minor talk. Do you think they're missing just one player, Sal? Uh, ooh. I don't it's, think so. I mean, I think it's tough to say that because 
No, I, I think it goes far beyond one player for sure. Well, my point about this is you can't take for granted getting one standout player. I mean, even last year with the Sule Boom, could Sule Boom be that much of a difference maker to make this team a top three team in Conference USA? Maybe, maybe, right? But maybe, I, I still yeah. feel like this team is missing maybe more than just one player now that we're seeing this team in the stretch of February. Remember, this month is going to be tough. If UTEP finishes this month with uh, you know less wins than expected, then we kind of can see the the red flags right here. These are some of the breadcrumbs right here that we're seeing from this team struggling through this stretch. Yeah, and you know what? Kind of more on the uh, the one player part as well. I think it goes far beyond that because when you look at the top teams in Conference USA, I'll give you an example. You have a Jelly Walker and uh, Eric Gaines with UAB. A duo. You you need a dynamic duo when it comes to it. So it would help. Don't get me wrong. They might squeeze out a win or two, you know, here and there against a top team in Conference USA, but consistently no, if you want to be one of the top dogs, you got to have a duo. Yeah, I totally am with you on that, Sal. Let's keep it moving. Tristan Penn streets the show. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. Golding and his staff are not doing a good job here. The Miners play hard, but in many areas they have not improved and they've even regressed. There is still time for this team to turn things around, but it doesn't look promising. Well, you know what? Joe Golding was very blunt in his postgame uh, press conference, I would say. He said, you know, let's see which guys want to actually play throughout this stretch. Look, we could see the writing on the wall right there. Mario McKinney only plays five minutes, doesn't play anything in the second half. That's disappointing right there. They actually threw out Jamari Sibley today. We thought he was in the doghouse, but he ends up playing 18 minutes. And you know what, Sal? I did not like any of his minutes today. I thought he was very whatever. He was invis- invisible. He just was not... Um, um, very impactful in this game. You didn't get anything from Derek Hamilton. He only played two minutes. Uh, didn't get any, anything from Kevin Callu. Only played five. Didn't play, again, uh, Mario McKinney much. So frustrating. Frustrating all around for this UTEP team. And I thought Calvin, uh, Calvin Solomon, who's been great down the stretch, uh, struggled today, Sal. Kind of uncharacteristic game for him. Yeah, and that's the problem there. Just the lack of offensive production from both. You brought up Sibley. You brought up Solomon. Well, I'll tell you, they'll have a, a one for five day, you know, a piece. So that's that's definitely tough to watch. And then four of those three pointers that went up today, um, you know, belong to Sibley and Solomon as well, where they were 0 for four. So that that's another tough thing, too, is there wasn't much offensive production today when you really could have benefited from a couple more points to uh, at least have a shot to maybe tie the game or, or not be in a desperate situation down the stretch. King Eric tweets the show at King Eric Eric 17. This whole season has been just disappointing. I didn't expect anything really, but to be leading at halftime and then having chances to win, it's just frustrating. Yeah, it, it's frustrating because UTEP's not closing out these games. I mean, Western Kentucky starts to distance themselves in the second half, and then UTEP still has a puncher's chance, but it feels like every time UTEP claws back, they rally back in games. Nowadays, now in this recent stretch, they're not able to win like they used to. And the Charlotte game is the exception. That's kind of that one exception out of the last month, month and a half. But still, I, I just feel like the Miners, when it's close game, uh, it usually tends to lean to the other team. They usually end up pulling that game away. Yeah, and, and you wonder what it is. I mean, part of it is, uh, you know, just the other team staying a couple steps ahead, you know, point blank yes. period. But on the other part, too, is they dig themselves in, in holes or, or in they have these droughts that make it harder for them to make it a game. So by the time they get there, 
how much gas has been burned to get to that point. I mean, it's not an excuse for sure, but I think it plays some part because we see a trend that they can fight with every team, but why are they not sealing the deal? Yeah, I I have no clue, Sal. Uh, Miner in Wisconsin tweets the show, Year two of Coach Golding is circling the drain. Year three needs to be much, much better than this. Do you think fans will have that kind of expectation, Sal? And if not, if the season starts off a little rocky next year, what do you think fans will say? I think majority of them will be frustrated, of course, because it's kind of like, hey, we held out year two. We knew it was we knew that it was really year one. If you think about it, year two being year one. But going into year three. All right. Now there's there's a sample size that's large enough to, you know, to form stronger opinions on. I think if there's a tough start, they'll say, hey, year two, we gave you a pass. Now there's nothing happening at the start of year three. There's going to be negativity for sure. Yeah, I think there will be. I think that puts a little bit more pressure on the coaching staff. Um, I'm curious just to see the changes we see over um, over the offseason. Uh, Joe Golding was saying after the game that they didn't come out half good at all. Same story, just different game. And then the undisciplinary tech, uh, technical fouls by UTEP, he was criticizing those. Yeah, that's never been UTEP. That's what's so bizarre about this. That's the regression I think that some of the fans are pointing out right there is the fact that you start to get these uncharacteristic things go on, like the technical foul. That that doesn't ha- That's not happened at all. Now you're talking about a road swing in which the Miners had a Joe Golding technical on Thursday against Middle Tennessee and then three technicals well again one taken off for Mario McKinney but two technicals recorded in this game that's not a good look at all no it's not and it makes you wonder um you know obviously what is the source of these if you're starting to see a lot in a small amount of time and that's the concerning part right we know character wise um pretty much all year it's been there not I don't think that's my studio. I don't know if you guys can hear the hotline, but yeah, we're um, good. you know, I I lost my train of thought trying to hold on one second. Let me answer this line. Okay, no worries, Sal. Our telephone number now went five five oh five six zero zero nine. That's not us, Sal. No worries. We're that's uh KLAQ. Angel will get that. No worries. Um, our telephone number nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine. Hey, real quick, women's basketball uh, implosion today at home. Nineteen point Man. lead erased in this game. Western Kentucky wins seventy seven seventy five. Maybe celebrate a little too much Thursday, and as a result, Western yeah. Kentucky uh, was overlooked today, and the Miners dropped that one. Uh, very very disappointing by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nineteen point lead going into the fourth quarter, and it was pretty much just a just a route. Um, you know, in the fourth quarter, it's kind of like that. Obviously, we know score-wise it made up for the whole game, but just undoing everything that was done for the first three quarters in the final, you know, the final stretch is definitely brutal. And there was even a chance still, but something interesting that Zay tweeted out was that um, Western Kentucky's plan was just to make UTEP run. And yeah, it looks like they I were ahead of gas. So um, also, to what, a seven-person seven rotation? That's got to wear in at some point. And on another part, Adrian, Middle Tennessee struggled against UTSA today. They lost. I saw that. That's crazy. That's uh, that's really interesting. Not a good trip to Texas. No, not a good trip to Texas whatsoever, Sal. Hey, our telephone number, 915-505-6009. What we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Hunter on the phone lines. we got a couple other tweets to get to as well. Stay with us as as, uh, Minor Talk Sports Talk. Minor Talk continues. We're presented by the Oscar Arieta Agency. Later on in the show, we'll bring you our hot hand of the game brought to you by Wind Supply El Paso and also our player of the game. Thanks to Keith Southwest. You're listening to Minor Talk, brought to you by the Oscar ID at the agency. More coming up right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.
All right, welcome back. Minor Talk continues. We're presented by the Oscar Arieta Agency. Hunter is next on the phone lines. If you want to follow it up, 915-505-6009. You could also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Hunter, good afternoon. What's going on? Going on, guys. How are you? We're, we're hanging in, Hunter. Uh, Western Kentucky defeats UTEP 74-69. Uh, this is UTEP uh, head coach Joe Golding's longest losing streak right now at four games. You know, I, the, the question that someone asked, or I guess the statement someone made earlier about missing a player, is, it depends who that player is. You know, if it was somebody that, that doesn't allow those long scoring droughts, maybe it makes a big difference. You know, we don't know because that, that's kind of one of their, their biggest downfalls. They'll go on those 11-0 droughts or, you know, 12-0 droughts pretty much every game, it seems. So maybe someone would help to to stop that uh, – from getting out of control, but we don't know. I, I think the weirdest thing for me is Golding inherited a team last year that was obviously much more talented, but when he was frustrated with and, and you know, visibly so, yet he was able to get them to buy in and they started clicking by the end and they were, you know, one play away from advancing to the semifinal of the tournament. This team he brought in and it seemingly has his personality but it looks like if he's lost most of them. Do you, do you guys kind of get that sense? Yes, it? I do. I, I don't think – I wouldn't use the word lost the locker room. I wouldn't say that. But I also think that some of these guys, the message is not getting there. And we're also starting to see some of the guys kind of in a little bit of a doghouse. Like they have to kind of prove it. Like if it's not Kevin Callu who only gets a couple minutes, then maybe it's Mario McKinney who gets benched after a bad foul. So, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing frustration on the coaching side. He – I mean, look at the Middle Tennessee game, Hunter. He was frustrated, and that's how he got a technical foul. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't get it because these are his guys. But like you said, some, something got lost where they they didn't buy in, and it's clear that they're not all on the same page with him. So it, it's weird that you know he brought in his type of players. You know, maybe not the best offensively, but the whole thing was is they. It'd be a cohesive, hardworking unit, and you don't see it. So, uh, I, you know, I, I don't see where he's going. And you can tell just by the post-game interview, he's just kind of short, doesn't really say a whole lot. There's a, there's some silent, awkward moments between him and Tyser, and you're left wondering what, what's really going on in that locker room. That, that's at least the feeling I get. Yeah, I, I don't like the – I don't like when I see on TV – I mean, this is just TV, so I, I can't see – I can't say much about it. I want to see it in person. But I don't like when I see on TV him ripping into some of the players out in the middle of, like, breaks. And I think it just becomes redundant at times. Like, when you start yelling at guys sometimes, they start to tone you out. And that's not just Joe Golding. That's any anything. And I do believe that some of the guys – have ultimate buy-in. I, I believe that the majority of this team has ultimate buy-in. But if you have guys who start to not buy-in, that could be cancerous and toxic to your team moving forward, especially for a month of February where, hey, you have Thursday, Saturday basketball all month long. There's no time for any kind of you know stress or, or any kind of worrying on this team. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's a confidence thing. And they had it in that first half, and they just, shot themselves in the foot a couple times with those technical fouls. But, I mean, I don't know if you noticed on one of the breaks, I think they were up eight or ten, and he's ripping into them at, on the sideline. Yeah, and even and the I commentators just, uh, mentioned that, yes. Yeah, they said you'd think they were the ones down by ten. And, 
And I get it. I mean, I'm sure he knows what it's what he's doing as a coach. I'm still I'm still sold on Joe Golding. It's it's I, I just in my opinion he's lost this locker room a little bit. He's at least lost a couple of them. And and negative attitudes they they tend they're they're like a cancer. They'll spread. And uh, so you got to squash that. But uh, with this, do you see them being able to turn it around, even though it looks like they're not on the same page? And no, it's not? I, I don't. I don't, Hunter, because the, the rest of the conference is really good right now. And I feel like even if UTEP actually turned it around, even at their best, I still don't see them beating some of these upper echelon teams. Even at their best, they're losing by two or four points to some of these great teams in Conference USA. Like They still have North Texas, Florida Atlantic, another game against Middle Tennessee, another game game against uh, FIU on their schedule. And those teams that I just reeled off right there have a better record than the Miners. Yeah, it definitely doesn't get any easier. But if you were to make them click, I think these are all winnable games. You know, nobody – FAU kind of controlled the whole game, but at that they only lost by eight. Other than that – they're right there. They just need something to turn the corner. But I don't agree uh, with the North Texas. North Texas, I didn't think they, they stood a chance in that game in the second half. No. I just think they're, they're, they're not outclassed in this league by much. This isn't a very good league. Um, so if they would just put get their own act together, they'd be all right. But if not, unfortunately, I mean, I, I think we'd be in for another completely different team next year unless you all see a different. No, I, I see it the same. I feel like if they're able to at least keep half their roster, that will just do good for them in terms of continuity. You can't have ten newcomers next year, in my opinion. You have to have at least seven, you know, six or five, you know, five to six would be a nice number. And I'm thinking that hey, you still want to replace some of the top guys. Like if you have some of these rotational guys come back next year, I think that's valuable. If you have if you have such talent in the transfer portal and you get uh, and retool in the offseason to where you have Otis Frazier coming off the bench. That's where you need to be next year if you're Joe Golding in this team. Yeah, I mean, there, there's no doubt. And he said it after the last game, I believe. Or, I don't know if it was the last one or the one before. He no, Actually, it was his, his show this week. Yeah. You know, he talked about uh, how frustrated he is and how he's not doing this again. And, and uh, he's bringing in some scores next year. But uh, he'll teach him how to play defense. He'll teach the scorers how to play defense. That's what he was saying. He he had to catch himself and say, I love coaching this team, though. But uh, (laughs) I I, I still think they can at least be presentable right now. It's not presentable. Hopefully they get there. But uh, let's see how they finish it out. All right. Hey, I appreciate the phone call, Hunter. Thanks for weighing in on the show. Uh, From Hunter to Ronnie. But before we get to Ronnie, Sal, I'll let you weigh in. Do you think uh, Joe Golding's lost the team? Uh, no, I wouldn't say lost the team. There's still um, there's still a fighter's chance, so to speak. I think when you completely lose a team, that's you're getting blown out left and right. Like, yeah, players can carry. You know, I guess if you want to make it look respectable, but not not at this point, man. No way. So uh, yeah, no, I, don't, I still don't think he's lost control of the team, but. Um, for sure, we know he doesn't have them playing their best. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Sal. Let's keep it moving. 915-505-6009. couple tweets to get to, but let's get to, get to Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie, before we bring you on, uh, UTEP Zay had a great quote to me the other day when we were talking off air about you. Uh, he was like, hey, you know, Ronnie uh, has to get a lot of credit because he's right about a lot of things. And uh, UTEP Zay was referencing at the end of last year, you referenced that UTEP would have a down year this year. And uh, minor fans would have to brace for that under head coach Joe Golding. 
Yeah, I appreciate YouTube Zay paying attention. Um, <laughs> shout out to YouTube Zay for that. I want to I want I want to say something to you guys, and this is a serious uh, this is a serious statement. Okay. And I love Joe Golden as I know we all do. And Joe Golden is a hell of a coach. I'm not disputing that. But is Joe Golden the right coach for the minors and what all comes with being a minors head coach? Right? Like we got to take a serious deep breath and think about that because here's what I mean by that. You're seeing some things from last year repeat itself in a negative way. When you talk about him yelling at players, no one cared when he was doing that last year at UAB when he was ripping Saucy out of the game and yelling at Saucy several games and starting them and taking them right out a minute into the game. No one cared because they said, well, that's not his player. So, they, so he didn't recruit him. He didn't owe him anything. Okay. But now he's doing it with the guys that he did recruit, that he did bring here. So maybe, just maybe, and once again, Joe Golden's a hell of a coach. I'm not saying he's not a great coach. But every great coach, the situation isn't right for him. Maybe this situation was more tumultuous than he anticipated. And maybe he didn't get some of the recruits he anticipated, a la one of the Newtons, because he didn't have the right staff that can get recruits. And so, therefore, this just might not be the job for Golding. And that's okay. He's still going to give it his all. He's still going to do everything he can to make competitive. But I'm sorry, man. People need to wake up. Two years ago, we knocked Rodney Terry for his inability to coach in, in, in X and O's. But what would you rather have? Rodney Terry's talent, a la, which is what Goldie had last year, or Joe Goldie's players who play hard but just can't win you games because they don't have talent. If, if we lined up Terry and Goldie right now and said, Goldie, take your team, Terry, take your team, and go play a seven-game playoff series, we both know Terry's team probably sweeps Goldie's kids right out the building. So we need to ask ourselves, is this the right job for Golding, right? Because Golding was going to get a head coaching job at a higher level anywhere with what he did at ACU, and he deserved that. But once again, was this the right job for Terry? Because Terry looks damn good at Texas, you know? So, I mean, we just need to be real about what's going on here. And it's not easy recruiting to, to Sun City. I get it. But recruiting has to be at the forefront no matter who the coach is, whether it's demo Terry or Golding, you have to get impact players. And that collective that Golding wants to do, I'm sorry. I was on board with that. I'm not now. I say get 50 grand each to the best players you can get because you need studs right now. You don't need a team full of duds. You need studs. So go get two studs that you can play through and go give them all the money and let all the other kids get the free tuition and books like it's been for, you know, ever since college started. But giving every kid a piece of the pie, will leave you with a bunch of kids who are just that, a small piece of the pie. You need something that's the appetizer in the main course. And then that kid is about to be biggest player of the year in Sule Boom. Yeah. I think Kenny looks really good. He's moving to the star lineup in Memphis now. I mean, so once again, we just got to ask ourselves, the way that Golding wants to do it with his old school approach, his defensive approach, maybe that's just not going to be the right way to do it in the Sun City with the talent that he can attract here. And that's no knock on his coaching. I'm not taking away from his coaching at all. He is a far better coach than Rock D. Terry when it comes to X's and O's. But quite frankly, we live in a what have you done for me lately type of world. And that's right, right now, UTEP is struggling to find its way. And if you guys think with how that staff is constructed right now, that Goldie will be able to just go out and land two studs and say, oh, I'm going to give you 10 grand. And I know you probably get offers of 50, 60, 70 somewhere else, but this is just how we do it here. That's just not going to happen, man. Like, you're not going to get two dudes to say, okay, I'm going to turn down a, a, a lucrative five-figure deal 
to go be a part of something that you're trying to build because here's why. The kids don't see the blueprint. Like every year that the game changes and moves on, it, Joe Golden gets a year further away from what he did at ACU, which means the kid that he's recruiting is a leer, is one more year likely less to remember that. You see what I'm saying? So you, you, you start to have to really have something tangible to show these kids because what you did somewhere else isn't matching up to what you're doing here in, yeah. in this situation. And, and, okay, I got two points on you. I, I would just say this. Knowing, okay, it's interesting you bring up the coaching staff. It's interesting you value recruiting this high, which I, I agree. Nowadays in college basketball, and to your point, Ronnie, I just want to make this this point really known for some of our listeners who might not value recruiting as much as us or as much as we talk about it here on this show. Recruiting is the most important. It is the backbone of your team. In fact, if you were going to hire an associate head coach to run X's and O's for you, you might want to pay somebody equally on on your staff to who's going to go out and recruit you some of the best players out there in, in uh, college basketball. Recruiting should be valued just as much as X's and O's in college basketball, and that's just how good teams are built. It's just the bottom line. But if I told you this, that Joe Golding does not have the right resources uh, in his favor to go out and recruit some of these guys, I think you'd probably understand where I'm coming from on this. And I think UTEP is behind the times in a lot of these things. It's it's factual. It's not just a, a speculation. They are behind the times in the NIL collective. Even if they, they launch that next year, which is, you know, everything is pointing to being uh, possible for that, even if they launch that, they're still behind the times by years. I mean, uh, you should have started that two years ago when the NIL rule first passed. UAB's out there with their NIL collective. Uh, UTSA has multiple NIL collectives. Western Kentucky, they're paying players as well. And unfortunately, you know, minor fans don't like to hear this kind of stuff, but UTEP does not have the right resources to recruit the right players. I'll give you a perfect example. Somebody who is just a rotational player on a very important team in college basketball. I'm talking about the UConn Huskies. Uh, Joey Calcaterra, he made, he took a trip here to El Paso and UTEP was recruiting him hard. Well, he ends up going to UConn. He's just a rotational player. He's like a seventh man on their team coming off the bench. But you know what he does? He splashes threes. He's like a very valuable part to their team. He's shooting about 42% from three-point range, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. And that's what UTEP needs. They need to start landing some of those players who end up going to higher major schools. Uh, and it's through NIL deals. So resources mm-hmm. is kind of the biggest thing right there, Sal. I'll let you jump in before we let Ronnie jump back in. And you know what, too, when it comes to the NIL, uh, a lot of those teams that you mentioned who are big in the NIL, although it may not have been an official part of it, but when the when the um, the promotions were made to the American Athletic Conference, a lot of those teams you just mentioned, they're going on to the American. What part does that NIL play in, you know, the conferences saying, hey, we prefer XYZ team over. That's very true. You know what I mean? Over That's very UTEP, true. Over Western Kentucky, who's doing it already. No, it's a really good point because, I, and I'll bring, an, that was to my next point, kind of along the next point that I was going to bring up to Ronnie's points right there. Uh, conference USA might just be a down conference. You might be losing some of these 
guys simply because they want to go to a better conference. Sule Boom wants to play in the Big East, and he's playing top 25 teams left and right in the Big East. Uh, yeah. He's on national television every single night. You look at Conference USA, this, is, this one's on stadium over here. We're having to go on a website trying to find this game over here. This is ridiculous. And that, that really does hurt some of the, your, your transfers. It hurts some of where you are uh, and how you're viewed in the transfer portal. And uh, to your point, Ronnie, I think if you're asking me, hey, is Joe Golding the guy? Is he the guy who's going to help UTEP? I think UTEP's just kind of a very hard school to actually win at. So when you look at all the resources that are lacking, you look at the situation that's there, it's uh, you know really to no fault of uh, UTEP's own, um, except for, yeah, I guess you can point the finger at UTEP for not starting the NIL Collective a lot earlier. Well, I'm not going to blame Golding if, if UTEP is behind in some areas because I know that that is true. You're absolutely right. But that goes to my point again. Did he get into a situation where he thought he had more resources and support that actually just didn't maybe. deliver? Maybe. Did, yes, did maybe. deliver for him, right? Because maybe. I'm going to tell you something. I watched Chris Jans have a horrible season in the COVID year, and he's kicking ass in Mississippi State right now with more resources. So, I mean – and he went to the same with Jerome Tang. Look at Jerome dudes, Tang. Jerome Tang, yeah, like dudes get it done, man. Like dudes get it done at the end of the day. And I'm not taking away from Golding's X's and O's. I believe Golding. I know you listen to the show, Golding. You're an excellent coach, but you need a strong recruiter. You need a guy that you say, "Hey, I don't care if you coach the kid." Matter of fact, don't don't say nothing to him. Just get him here. Get me elite talent, and then I'll do the rest. That's what Steve Offer does. Steve Offer doesn't recruit a single kid because he has no personality to relate to kids. He let Craig Neal recruit every single kid to Nevada, and that's what they do. When, when can uh, Joe Golding find his Arturo Orman? Uh, boy, Arturo's <laughs> in Eastern Washington. I'm sure he'd love to come back, so he better figure it out. I mean, he had an NBA player attached to him or a borderline NBA guy for that matter. That's right. Um, hey, he's in the G know. League. Bright, shout yeah, out Bryson Williams. <laughs> yeah, making great money too. So that's right. Uh, in all in all seriousness, I want I want to see Golden succeed. I want to see the miners succeed. Um, but like I said, man, right now that team literally the more I watch them, it's just like man, like they're getting so like if you watch Middle Tennessee State game, they were giving up drives to the rim left and right. And it was like that's not even what the Golden kids do. So I know to the previous callers' point, I do believe that Golden has lost this team. I do oh, believe he man. has. And, and, I, and here's, here's how we know he has. Last year, Golding would switch that lineup. Like, he wouldn't get in kids' face. He would just make adjustments and switch the lineup. He's yet to do that because he doesn't believe that the kids on the bench you, you believe in the system or are going to either execute it. Either way, it comes down to trust. And he just has no trust in anybody outside of that starting five. You know what I mean? So it's like that, that tells me that the team's lost, man. When you have to keep playing with a product that can't deliver – and it's the lesser of two evils, that is a lost team in, in the course of a season. Like, let's be real here, right? Like, let's, like you're not going to play Mitchell Trubisky if you have to. You know what I mean? If you've got another choice, you're going to switch and get the hell out of there. It's the same thing, man. Like, he has a losing product on the floor, but he feels that those five are the lesser of the evils and have bought in, I guess, to a certain level that maybe the other kids haven't. You've lost the team, man. And once you lose... You know, four or five of them, these kids follow each other nowadays. There's no backbone, especially on losing teams. Everybody well, yeah, and, and you get a lot of that cancerous and toxic culture that we were just talking about, and that's what Joe Golding didn't want from last year's team. He felt like last year's team had a lot of divas at points, and, and he said that publicly, you know, and he said that where you've had a lot of personalities, guys who were kind of entitled, so to speak, and he didn't want that this year, and I don't think it's entitlement with this group. I just think it's frustration. When you lose games like this, when you're when you 
you've lost nine of your last 12 games, people are starting to point fingers in the locker room. And hey, Ronnie, I appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks for weighing in on the show. Um, Sal, I'll bring you back in. I, I, I still don't think Joe Golding has lost the locker room. I think that's uh, pretty, uh, I think it's kind of over the top to say, but I do think that we're, we're kind of pointing this right here as a red flag part of the season. Uh, I don't know how UTEP turns the corner here uh, and moves forward. Yeah, and the interesting part is I think this episode more than other episodes is that now it's not necessarily about, you know, the numbers themselves. It's kind of like, hey, it's, that's it's, right. it goes far beyond stats. It's more of just, um, you know, coaching when it comes down to it as opposed to, you know, if they get X, Y, Z more than this, they'll be good. But, no, I think this – this kind of has a feel more for like, hey, it goes far beyond these X's and O's. We're going to get to two more tweets. We're going to get to our awards, and then we're going to wrap up this show and look ahead to Charlotte. Uh, this coming in from Manny David. Frustrating season for sure, especially when being down five feels like being down ten at times. Only Golding's second season. I like the defense, but they need to improve the offense. Hopefully we can bring in a couple of scoring threats next season. Hashtag minor talk. Hashtag picks up. Hashtag go minors. Adrian at Enemy Win 3 tweets the show, Stop making excuses for Golding, calling it technically year one. No one ever did that for Rodney Terry, and he lost a lot of players too, and he went to reload. I'm out on Golding. Wow! Oh. There we go. There's the first one. Mark hey. it right there. Adrian at Enemy Win 3 sees the hip hop, a little hypocrisy that he's trying to point out right there. Look, I'll, I'll say this, Adrian, just to show you some differences right here. Rodney Terry was 8-21, in his first year, he publicly said that that was the JV team mm. and that the varsity team would be coming after that. That was also in the period of when um, you know the coaching staff still had those things where they had to deal with the one-year transfer rule where it was like you had to sit out a year uh, when you transferred. So I'm not going to fault Rodney Terry too much, but I will say after that 8-21 and season, they go 17-15, and which was just above 500, and they were below 500 in conference play. I did not think that was a good season whatsoever. So I, I thought that was actually a letdown season, knowing how much talent they had on the floor. And then when you look at the other season after that, 12 and 12, 8 and 8, that's a 500 season right there. So again, I don't consider that a success. I consider last year a success for Golding. I, he was 11 and 7 in conference play, 20 and 14 overall. They won 20 games last year and made it to postseason hoops. And then this year, I think it's a letdown, but you know what? We'll have to see year three to really make an assessment as to how Joe Golding uh, really is as a head coach. And then also, Sal, we said it before and we'll say it again, Joe Golding had to re-recruit all of Rodney Terry's guys. Sule Boom could have left easily. He could have gone high major last year easily. Nope, no question about it. Uh, but he chose to stay along with guys like Keontae Kennedy, Titus Verhoeven, and uh, Jamal Bienmi. Yeah, all guys from what? The transfer portal, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Basically all of them left uh, UTEP for the transfer portal too, except uh, the enemy went pro. So Correct. Uh, either way, though, in terms of the re-recruitment, I think that's a good point because you look at some of these other guys who left UTEP and they thrived. Caden Archie was one of them. You know, you, you even want to look at some other guys. Um, just trying to remember a lot more guys. There were so many that left UTEP through the transfer portal that shined. Right. Um, Anthony Tark. That's another one. Uh, Nigel Hawkins, too, had yeah. some stuff going on. So. Sure. Th- that's the crazy part, just looking at how it's benefited and then also uh, more recently how it's hurt. So, 
It's just tough to make up the transfer portal. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009. If you'd like to duck in a late call, that's uh, our telephone number to get into the show. Paul Marmalejo with a hashtag UTEP is average, hashtag UTEP is mediocre. Okay, I like that, Paul. Uh, hilarious. Um, and I, the other one, wise up nine one five. Oh, um, that's a good one. That's the one I was commenting on. That was pretty good. Uh, Sal, let's get to some awards here on the show, and then we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, looking ahead to next week, Miners host Charlotte, and then UTSA. Give me your prediction, Charlotte UTSA. Do they split it? Do they sweep the series, or do they go winless in that stretch? I think they split, but they beat a UTSA. Okay, so mm-hmm. that would mean UTEP loses five in a row. Before before getting their first win. Uh, that's tough right there. Miners have to try to get a win uh, between now and then. I think UTEP sweeps next week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel a little bit more optimist, optimistic about the Miners, and I think they kind of turn the corner ne- next week. So I'm, I'm thinking they beat Charlotte at home, and then they beat UTSA. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's go to our hot hand of the game. This is presented by Wind Supply El Paso. In the first half, Shamar Givens had 12 points. He finished the game with 18 overall to lead the Miners. He is the hot hand of this one. One, five of eight in the first half. He also contributed uh, in this game with uh, four rebounds in the first half. The one technical was tough for Shamar Givens, and you hope that the uh, the grad transfer definitely learns from that in the future. So Shamar Givens ending up being our Hot Hand Award winner. You could stay on schedule with Wind Supply El Paso and see why home builders make Wind Supply El Paso their trusted HVAC system supplier. Go online to windsupplyelpaso.com or call them nine. 9- 815-859-3817. That's Win Supply El Paso. As far as our player of the game, I love the game from Otis Frazier the third. I thought he played exceptionally well. Two of four from beyond the arc, 17 points. Uh, second leading scorer for the Miners had five rebounds. One steal, uh, two turnovers, 30 minutes of action was UTEP's most efficient player at plus 16 in this game. Otis Frazier, the third, our player of the game, and that's brought to you by Keith Southwest. They are the leaders in, in the industry in precision metal stamping since 1958. You can get in touch with them today online at KeatsMFG.com or give them a call. And that is, um, that is Keith Southwest. You can give them a call today. Uh, that is 915 859 0059 and that's Keats Southwest. Um let's uh let's turn the page and look ahead, Sal. It's uh it's Charlotte, it's UTSA next week. It's a home and away series for the Miners, and then they have UAB in North Texas at home. Um do they win three? I mean, do they lose three of these next four games, Sal? This is tough. This is a tough stretch right here. Oh, man. It's it's definitely a possibility. I, I'm looking at um, this stretch here. I know you mentioned that uh, you feel they'll get the sweep. I think it'll be a split with the win at UTSA. But um, the way they're playing right now, it, there's a lot to be questioned, right? Like, hey, yes. if you had to ask yourself, what are some reasons that would make me believe UTEP could win this game? It's... It, it's hard to say that something exists. We know that they'll fight. That's not a problem. They're going to be, you know, in the arena, but are they going to be able to seal the deal if they have a chance? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so, Sal. I don't I don't think that's the case right there. Unfortunately for UTEP, but oh man, I I just uh I'm rough. I, I think it's a rough stretch for them. Charlotte, UTSA, UAB, North Texas. What a tough stretch for this team. Let's see what they can do next week against formidable opponents, teams that they should beat, but uh 
Yeah, this is uh, the last stretch of the season. You don't want UTEP to be sour at the mid- midway point um, here in February. So that's the biggest thing, staying intact, uh, trying to finish the season off strong. Their projected record is 14-17. and 17. I would feel like that's a letdown. What about you, Sal? Definitely so, especially after winning 20 games last year. But you mentioned the 14-17 and 17 projected record. Would you be surprised if it ends up being 14-17? and 17? No, I wouldn't. I, I would not. That would mean they lose to Charlotte, lose to UAB, North Texas, lose to FIU and FAU, and their last wins come against uh, Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, and UTSA. Even that Middle Tennessee win, I think that's a stretch right there, even though that's senior day at home. Um, but hey, we'll have to wait and see. Well, UTEP's are 11 and 12 right now. 14 wins seems achievable. I still think 15 is achievable as well, but I don't know. This team is just so up and down, inconsistent, and uh, don't like the way that they're playing during this stretch. But uh, that'll do it for us here on this show. Really appreciate everybody calling in on the show and tweeting in on the program as well. Uh, Want to uh, also give a big shout-out to Sal Montes for screening the phones, producing the show, co-hosting us uh, with us as well. If you missed any of today's show, you can listen to Minor Talk On Demand wherever you listen to podcasts. But for Sal Montes, I'm Adrian Bratis. We're signing off and saying so long. Uh, Minor Talk is presented by the Oscar Arietta Agency. And uh, we'll talk to you next week right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.